What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, the lead draft writer at BR. And joining me every Wednesday from lovely Manhattan is Connor Rogers, my man. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. We got a lot going on. I'm uh, Things are well. I'm excited to be doing the show today because I feel like we don't have anything too pressing, so we're going to have a lot of fun with it. We'll do some combine superlatives and not just fastest 40 or best bench, but we got look good, play good, best beer belly, And Matt, I think it's safe to say the rumor mill is beginning to spin around the NFL right now. Oh, it absolutely is. And that's what we're going to spend the first part of the show talking about. It's just the rumors that are going on right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's that time of year. It's whether you think it's smokescreen season or, or the, that there's some truth to these things that are happening. I, I think that's one thing that can make our podcast a little more versatile is that we're not just we're not just watching film and coming up with opinions on prospects. You and I are out there staying out all night, being forced to drink with these NFL executives and scouts so that we have people to text and talk to. Uh, to, to kind of you know get through some of the information. We also have a great interview this week. Josh Jackson, the corner from Iowa, who we both think is going to be a top, what, 15 pick in the draft probably? Yeah, I'd say 15. If he hits that 4-5, 40-yard dash, I think he's a top 15 lock. Yeah, yeah. In the draft on draft, like we always do, we're going to answer your questions to close out the show. Let's start with some of the, um, you call them rumors, you call it bullshit, you call it smoke, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Depending on what team you like, that's probably how you feel about it. The big thing happened last Thursday as we were recording Stick to Football Friday, A.J. McCarron became a free agent. And we ran through a lot of the destinations for him on that show, myself and Mello. But I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. And as a New York Jets fan, I want to know how you feel about that potential if they don't get Kirk Cousins, which is obviously, you know, he's the the number one target for you guys. If you don't get Kirk Cousins, how do you feel about A.J. McCarron as a plan B? And how do, like where do you think a good fit is for him? I think it's such a hard pass for the New York Jets when you look at this because I understand investing a ton of money into Cousins, a guy that is a top 10 to 12 quarterback and a guy that is not even 30 years old yet. When you look at McCarron, who uh, the problem here, Matt, is I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think A.J. McCarron's good. And <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> it's simple as it's simple as this for the Jets. And McCarron, to be fair to him, wants to go somewhere where he's viewed as a potential long-term starter. The Jets, it's as simple as this. If you don't get Cousins, you bring back Josh McCown because not only do I think he's better, but he's cheaper. He's a better leader and mentor ready to pass the torch. So when you take a quarterback with the sixth overall pick or if you move up, it's as simple as, all right, McCown's going to start and mentor this guy. With McCarron, there could be friction there. It'll cost a lot more. For a guy that I just don't think he's a franchise quarterback, I think he's a solid backup quarterback. But when you do look at his landing spots, it's interesting. Cleveland's the one that comes to mind for everyone because they could pay him whatever he wants. And obviously, Hugh Jackson has a love for this guy. But, you know, when you look across, does he want to go there? Will Arizona come in and view him as, okay, maybe a guy that could start long-term or at least give him a shot at that? I think Arizona actually makes the most sense for both sides of it, not just for the team. Yeah, and that's where we put him uh, on the Friday morning show is Arizona makes the most sense. They don't have a quarterback under contract currently, even if they do try to, like, bring back Blaine Gabbert. A.J. McCarron you would think could beat him out. Although man, that's, I don't know if I want to, that's the broiest quarterback competition in the NFL. If those two are going yeah, at one it, one with bad tattoos. <laughs> yeah. I looked back. I had McCarron as a, uh, a mid third rounder when he came out. And, and so that's more like in a grade where I think I gave him a developmental, you know, like fringe starter grade coming out. And, and the thing is we've seen such a limited tape from him. And I've explained this before, I think it was last year when the Bears paid Mike Glennon. It was right when our podcast had really started was, you know, the week before the draft, our first guest was Mitch Trubisky and we were talking about Mike Glennon and why are teams willing to pay guys like Mike Glennon and AJ McCarron? And it's because they haven't failed yet. So you're more NFL teams. The way they think is I'm more willing to pay AJ McCarron $28 million over two years than Tyrod Taylor or Geno Smith, or, you know, guys like Blaine Gabbert, who maybe even like showed some promise this year, but they feel like they've already washed out or failed. So they don't want to turn around and hand them a ton of money. And I think it benefits McCarron. He is going to get paid the way I would do it. I would front load the shit out of that deal so that it is like, okay, two years. And if you're not good, we can get out of it. Kind of like not giving him a hundred million like Ryan Tannehill got, but a deal that's very similar to that, where you do give yourself uh, some room to move around. Speaking of the Bills, there was a rumor, and I I want to attribute this, but I don't know where it started. So if you know, please hop in. 
that they Ooh, were going to I tra- do. Oh, um, you do. Okay, a, go for it. A couple it's a couple various places. Uh, one of the I believe it was an SB Nation blog or some kind of blog. I actually think it was a 49ers blog, and I apologize that I don't have the exact source. Was the first I saw on it, but Albright was pushing it very hard about I guess like five hours later. I mean, so that's it's from a couple different places. Okay, so Ben Albright, um, who I've known for geez, going on almost a decade at this point. He he does radio in Denver. Um, it has a lot of news that, that comes out of his Twitter account. So that's that's definitely one to watch. If if the Bills are gonna, if it's being said, I don't. Is it speculation or is it a report? Because I tried to stay off Twitter uh, over the weekend, but there's at least smoke out there. People are saying that the Bills are going to try to package to move into the top 10. I asked around about it this morning when we were, you know, when I was getting ready for the show and was basically told this time of year, it's way too soon. Like you're probably not even calling to set up parameters yet because you don't know what's going to happen in free agency. You, you, you have like an early feel for the players that you like, but until after the combine, you don't even really have a super solid grade. So maybe, maybe there've been like some open lines of communication um, between the bills and some clubs about, Hey, if this breaks this way and this way and this way, we might be interested in moving up. But a lot of these deals uh, aren't happening this early. Yeah. Well, I wanted to revisit something that I remember you said to me over summer was that the bills had been doing an immense amount of work around Sam Darnold and that they were very interested in him. Now, this was a time where you and I were discussing that the New York jets and Buffalo bills were in a tanking war in their own division. And it did not work out that way for either side. I think it's almost impossible for the Bills to climb up high enough to get Darnold. I'd be shocked if the Browns don't take him first overall. But the point remains now. I mean, I think the question, the million-dollar question, putting aside this point, is that who would they come up for? Yeah, are you coming up for Rosen? I mean... Or Mayfield or Allen yeah. or I, so I, I do want to read. I want to be fair. I want to read Albright's original tweet oh, yeah. on February 17th. It was bills have been calling around pursuing potential trade partners in the top 10 of this year's draft, presumably for a shot at a quarterback. Yeah. So it's not, it's not specific, but it, I'm like sitting here as you're talking, I'm linking some of the things that people have reported. Not that I've heard, but things I've seen on Twitter, like that maybe the Browns want to draft a quarterback at four and not one. So if you're Buffalo, no, the Browns can't do that. They can't trade out of another quarterback. They just, they can't do it. So I just say like, man, if you're Buffalo and you could offer 21, 22 and like 53 and 56 for number one, I mean, I would do it as a, if I were the Browns, cause I would too. It might take more, but I would do yeah. it. But it might get, that's getting cheap. Once again, though, for the Browns, it's getting cheeky again. It is like, God forbid three quarterbacks go in the top three and you're sitting there at four and you're like, oh my God. We've done it again. And I know it's a new regime, but the fans and ownership are not looking at it like that. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. That's why I think they can't do it. They could trade four all day, but they can't. They can't trade one. All right. uh, Here's the craziest thing I heard on Monday. And it was from two craziest (laughs) things from one person. Mello and I went and got dinner last night and he was like, did you hear this? This talk about that uh, the Eagles shouldn't even listen to offers for Nick Foles without a first and a second. I was like, yeah, I heard it. And I, you know, it's, it's way too, too rich. It's crazy talk. And then he, you know, we're eating. He's like, well, did you hear Bill, Bill Polian said today that Lamar Jackson should be a receiver? And I was like, dude, Bill Polian said both of those things. He said the Eagles should not trade Nick Foles for less than a first and a second. And he also said Lamar no, Jackson's it was two first and two seconds. Two first and two seconds. Yes, that's Adam Schefter's exact tweet from Polian. Two, oh two ones and two twos as the starting point of the deal. Okay, full disclosure: Bill Polian, when I was young and trying to break into scouting, was a, he was amazing to me. I mean, he would answer my emails, uh, would answer my phone calls, was just great about helping me. You know, I would send him scouting reports and things and be like, what what's, do I need to change about this? Not, you know, I'm wrong, you're wrong about this, but things to look for, formatting, just, you know, basically showing me how to be a scout. He was great to me. I haven't spoken to him in since then, you know, probably 10 years. So I don't, I'm not one of those, you know, I don't owe him anything necessarily. He was just a really nice guy. That's crazy talk, man. That's, it's almost embarrassing. I wonder if Schefter tweeted it like, you know, just like this opinion. So crazy. We have to get it out there. 
Yeah, it's it is pretty wild. Um, and also going back to the Lamar Jackson thing, if you want to say something like that, you got to bring the heat to the table to back it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you you're you're arguing points can't be that he's too short and why read to play the position. Yeah, because guess what? In a week and a half, we're going to find out Lamar Jackson's right around six two, and that's taller than Baker Mayfield, who I think Polian li- well Polian liked Manzel a yeah. lot. Who's so, like 5'10". Yeah. It's just not an argument against Lamar Jackson. If you want to sit here and say, I don't believe he will take the necessary steps as a passer in this league, then okay, that's how you feel and you believe he's not a quarterback. I do not agree with that at all, but at least that's a point where you sit there and you say, okay, that's why you don't like the guy. Yeah. And you and I have talked before, and I, I said this on a radio show I was doing yesterday because they were, they were going in pretty hard on, on Polian, and I've said that, Number one, we've all been doing live radio or, or TV or podcast and said something that you didn't mean. You know, like you you either no get doubt. you get flustered or you're trying to think on your feet a little bit and you slip and say he's too short. But immediately after that, you go like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to say short. Like I got I got a little confused, a little carried away, misspoke, whatever. He, he's not too short to play quarterback, one. And the other point is. If Bill Polian is saying this, he's hearing it from NFL sources. It's the same thing exactly. as if if Todd McShay says, and Todd has been, I think, the most outspoken about the fact that Lamar Jackson is a receiver. If he's Mel. hearing that, is it Mel yeah. that's more? They both do it, but Mel is like really on it, and Todd like will slightly back it up a little bit. But they're hearing that from teams. They're not exactly. They're not coming up with that on their own, or or even if they are, they wouldn't say it without like fact checking it first with a team. So as much as it pisses everyone off when people come out and say Lamar Jackson should move to receiver now instead of waiting like Terrell Pryor did, I, I know it pisses a lot of people off. I, I imagined yesterday that you were a little heated reading it because I know that you've been for nine months saying this kid's a quarterback, this kid's a quarterback. But do you remember one of the first insider buzz things we ever did on the show was you it's, saying I'm so glad. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that yeah. up. Go ahead. Was you saying a team source told you Lamar Jackson will have to move to receiver and it was over the summer last year. That was June or July. Yeah. And when we used to do the scouts quote, which just so everyone knows, we're bringing that segment back. It's just that it's easier for us to log all of those quotes after events like the combine yep. where we can keep pushing them out. So that segment will return soon. But yeah, to be transparent. I said in June or July that a, a a scout's quote was that, listen, he's, you know, an amazing athlete and he's probably going to have to move to receiver at the next level. He took gigantic leaps as a passer this year where I do think a lot of scouts are turning around and saying, OK, maybe we were wrong. But the fact of the matter is that was a thought and something we reported over the summer from the league, not from us. Yeah. And I think one thing that's hard to talk about, especially for. I'll just, uh, it's hard to talk about because there have for so long been, you know, like racial code words when you talk about African-American quarterbacks and it's, I'm a a white guy from the Midwest. So it's, you know, I've never had to have those things thrown at me. And one of the things that you do here with Lamar Jackson is he doesn't make reads. He doesn't go through progressions. He might not be smart enough to play the position. That's something that you hear from people in the NFL, but it's also something that when you, share those thoughts, like my job to take those thoughts and report them to the general public. A lot of people, I mean, I deal with it every day of people saying you're racist because you don't like Lamar Jackson. And it, it makes it harder to now when you go back and watch the tape and you kind of look for those things of, Oh, is he making reads? Is he getting through progressions? Because honestly, even if that is a thing, even if he's not getting through progressions, you know, kind of like Bryce Petty, if he's like that, if he's Bryce Petty, it's a really hard thing to come out and say it because you know you're just going to get attacked for it. And it, it, it's, it sucks that there was that time and probably still is that time where there are people who just are racist and don't want an African-American quarterback. But it, it sucks that, that – I think it sucks for Lamar that he's become the face of that this year, that, that he has really become the guy where if you don't like him, it's because he's black and not because you see holes in his game. And, and it's every time someone mentions a negative with him, it, that becomes, I think the counterpoint to it, it makes it, it makes it hard to really discuss him as a prospect. Yeah. It's very interesting. And obviously this is something we can go on all day about. So, you know, we'll cut it, but it is interesting how, like when a guy Watson was guilty of this two guys that use their legs to their advantage, almost get, you know, uh, criticized for it in a sense with their game when a guy like Jameis Winston that was a pure pocket passer 
was kind of universally loved on the field. Yeah. So it, it's still it, the it's NFL. Weird. The NFL still believes that you have to win from within the pocket. And yes. that's, that's really how it goes. All right, man, we've, yeah, we have spent a lot of time on this. All right, one more rumor. Uh, and then, then we can jump into our, our combine superlatives here in just a minute. Marcus Peters, is he on the trade block? I have asked no less than six people this morning if he's on the trade block. Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports, says, uh, yeah, says that he's on the trade block. I, I was trying to think if he had hedged it all. I don't think he has, though. I have been told that in the NFL, basically, no one is safe, but that they do not believe he's on the trade block. I, I think what makes it interesting, interesting is it is a dude who's had some trouble. I mean, he last year what got sent to the locker room and came back with no socks on. So it's and he's yeah, a, he actually didn't even get sent off. He just went off. That's on right. His own. I don't know if he thought that by accident. He was never ejected from that game. So he's a fiery guy. He might also be the NFL's best corner. So it it is. He's up there. Yeah. It, it, you and, know what? With I I think the Chiefs have been open to moving him for the right, like anything else, for the right deal for a while now because there are, I don't know if it's maturity issues, there are some kind of off-field long-term concerns. It's different when you draft a guy and he's under a team-friendly contract and he's a great player. It's a different ball game when you were going to hand him a 60 to $100 million contract. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It is. And there were issues uh, coming out of Washington where he was kicked off the team. And I loved this kid in the draft. And I remember just begging the 49ers to take him. And the thing I kept hearing back from them was we can't. And I'm just this is what a team said. This is not my opinion. I feel like I need to always qualify that this like in this day and age. What they told me was, we cannot draft a bipolar kid with connections to the streets of Oakland and put him in San Francisco. So I don't know. I I don't imagine the 49ers diagnosed this kid. I don't know if he has ever been diagnosed, but that's just what, at the time, back in 2015, that's what I was hearing about him. But the Chiefs have a hard decision to make because his contract is up after 2018 unless they pick up the fifth-year deal. And if you're going to move him, now's the time to do it. There's no doubt. And I think it's going to be really interesting because, you know, just kind of interacting with some people on Twitter yesterday, the Chiefs fan feel feels the talks start at a with a one. The outsider in me and you guys know as well as anyone when it comes to doing all of this, my career, I put the Jets bias completely aside. It, it to me, it doesn't start as a one unless we know the off the field concerns aren't legit. You know what I mean? Like, one is so valuable in the NFL. That's a big oh, deal. Yeah. Maybe a back-end one, but I don't know where the talks start because there's so many question marks here. It's a lot so of it's really interesting. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly, And which is why ultimately it would be a little surprising if he does get moved. The Chiefs do need a first-round pick. They don't have one. So yeah, maybe man draft night trade. That would be, it would be, it would be awesome because I love chaos and it makes, it gives us things to talk about, but to see one of the best young corners in the NFL trade, it would be a pretty big shock. All right. Now we got to get through some combine superlatives. We got a lot of fun stuff to do here. Everybody's talking about, you know, the obvious ones, fastest 40 who will have the best three cone, but me and Matt like to get in the weeds with this stuff, we got best tattoos on this list. We got highest wonderlick. So we got a lot of fun, but let's knock out the one that everyone talks about every single year. There's always some wild contests around it. I believe it's Adidas. Adidas gives away the island. Yeah, right? they get like a few years ago, they were giving away like a million dollars. I walked into a yeah. room and there was just cash laying around and they're like, what? you want to take your picture <laughs> with a it? Story. I was like, I don't want to take my picture <laughs> with it. I want to take it. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So fastest 40, Matt, who you got this year? I'm going Dante Jackson, LSU, which uh, no surprise. By the way, I think you can prop bet on some of these. So uh, just throwing that out so. there if you're interested in that yeah, kind we don't of thing. Do that, but. I have heard that he has ran a 425 to 426 in training, which oh we always joke that like, okay, you got to you gotta bump that up, you know, like to a, it's probably a 429 or 430, but he has a shot to do it. I know Jane Slater from, uh, she from NFL Network. Yeah, yeah she has she a lot is. of Cowboys coverage yeah. in the Dallas area. Yes, she t- she went and interviewed him and had a great interview where he's basically saying, like, I'm going to, you know, I think I got a shot at the record, which is 4-2-2 from John Ross last year. So I, Dante Jackson's that guy. If you want to throw some money down. 
Yeah, he's been the universal favorite for good reason. I mean, the guy can fly. You watch his tape, and this is my my eval of Dante Jackson. A lot of the times it looks like he has no idea what he's doing at cornerback or no one's taught him anything, and he's such a great athlete and so fast to recover that he still makes plays all the time. It's that impressive. So I do wonder what he could be if he gets coached up at the next level and gains some weight. My sleeper pick here, though, is Naheem Hines, the running back from— That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, Naheem Hines is a guy with sprinter speed, you know, he, big playability. He hit a lot of big plays this year as a running back so and, and as a pass catcher. So I think if you're looking for someone that, you know, we for, and I know you said Denzel Ward's going to run really well. He is. But, um, yeah, Minka's going to run little, well. Yeah. Minka will run well, no doubt. So, yeah, my sleeper pick here is Naheem Hines. That's a great one. All right, how about bench, best bench press? I know you would whip my ass if it were between me and you and the bench press. So uh, who, do, who did you pick for this? I'm a, I think we may have picked the same guy. Yeah, I would imagine so. Quentin Nelson is known as just a yep. powerhouse bench presser. Even since high school, he's been extraordinary. I, I think Quentin Nelson, man, you might set the over under with this guy at what? Like 35 reps, 34 and a half. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's I, I thought I had heard once that he was doing like uh, almost close to 40. Um, he did 226 coming out of high or he did 26 reps coming out of high school, I believe. So that's, he's going to he might hit the 40 mark. I think we actually did that video. I think Bleacher Report did. So I bet we, we can did. find it. Um, yeah, he is a great and he, he has the right build for it. And I I was even going to say this with the guys who are in the 40. The only thing that like Dante Jackson is so skinny and a, a lot of times you need some power to generate that burst. Quentin Nelson is built for the bench. He's got the thick chest, you know, barrel chested. Um, he's not super long armed. I, I think exactly. his, you know, the other guy, my sleeper, because I picked Quentin Nelson as well. My sleeper was Will Hernandez because he, I was going to say that six, a guy that's two, a little 245, like he's, he doesn't have far to go with that, with that bar. And that it matters a lot when you start to talk about reps. So much, no doubt. Hernandez is a guy that is 340 pounds and you know, the stockier build and, he can bounce the bar. It's as simple as this. The, when your your length matters so much. When I was a competitive powerlifter, the bench was always my weakest because I have really long arms. But that makes deadlifting a lot easier. So with the linemen, you're looking for these guys. Like who is the lineman at the Shrine Game that had like the longest arms down to the ground from Pitt? I I'll have to look up his name, but like that guy oh, yeah, probably benched like eighteen reps. Yeah, it's just so hard for those guys. So the obvious one, definitely Quentin Nelson. A lot of obvious picks here, but that's why we're here, to pass them along. All right, best three comb. This one's a little trickier. Um, I went Saquon Barkley. I feel like that's cheating, but that's, that's just my sense. That, yeah, I think Saquon Barkley is the best three cone. I think for three cone, you want guys who have a little lower center of gravity. You know, long-legged, long-arm guys aren't going to be great there. He is just naturally fluid. I went Christian Kirk, uh, as, and I saw your list, you know, because you put yours in the dock. I didn't put mine, and I was like, I'm, I don't want to do Saquon because, you know, we're both we both love him so much. So Christian Kirk, he's five eleven, but he's like 200, 205 pounds. So he's actually he's kind of a thicker wide receiver, and he's he's quick on the field. I have no idea what he's doing in testing if he's if he's running well. Actually, the comment kind of snuck up on me. I need to start reaching out and getting you know some baseline times on some of these guys to see how they do against it, but. I feel like he's someone that could definitely do really well just in that, you know, short burst agility balance. And and I'll say this, the three cone is my favorite event of the combine. Well, in terms of athletic testing, it's my favorite event because I, I think it does show a lot of the things that actually translate to the field. Unlike the 40, you know, which, oh, okay. You're fast over a long distance, but the three cone shows, it does show balance, agility, burst, you know, foot, foot speed control, all those things. Yeah, it matters a lot, especially for for pass rushers. To me, it's the most important drill. Just seeing that burst that they have, that change of direction, uh, the three cone is vital. This next one might be the hardest one to predict because we don't have our, at least if we have, I've just missed it. I'm sorry. We don't have the story this year of like the super brainiac. Like remember how um, Josh Dobbs was like aerospace engineering. And so the highest Wonderlick score, which... These aren't released to the general public, but I promise you, me and Matt will get our hands on them as we do. Uh, I took Josh Rosen here, but that's like a super shot in the dark pick. I I don't know who's going to have the highest score. I had a hard time with this one, too. I actually went to the combine list and was like, is there anyone from Harvard this year? Is there anyone from Yale went through. Yeah, I went through the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I ended up with Harrison Phillips, a kid from Stanford, and I believe he's his major is something like society and, and science, which sounds 
really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can get into Stanford and major in that, you got to be pretty damn smart. If I don't even know what your actual major is. So that's, that's my pick. And he's also, you know, every year you see those lists of like, oh, academic All-Americans and, and, and he's on there every year. So Harrison Phillips is my pick. It's usually a quarterback or a punter. So going D-line is, is a little risky, but Rosen's actually a pretty good pick. If he, if he takes it seriously. That yeah, is. I'm trying to figure out if he's a smart ass or if he's just really smart. That's what everyone wants to figure out. So every teacher be, I had in high school is still trying to figure that out about me. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it's both, which is great. So yeah. Oh man. All right. Up next, look good, play good, which is a, a thing that I firmly believe in. You got to look good if you're gonna you play good. And so I went with Derwin James, the safety from Florida State. Nice. Not only is he just cut up, I mean, there's no body fat on this kid. He also just like when you think of the Florida State uniform, that's what it's supposed to look like in it. You know, it's like Vince Young at Texas. Like that's what the Texas uniform is supposed to look like. Derwin James is the Florida State uniform. The dude just he has it. He's put together. Uniform always looks good. And he is just an athletic freak. I don't know. There's a picture running around of him last week in training. And that it's not fair that a human being can look like that. Uh, so Derwin James is my pick. Yeah, that's a great one. I love the uniform thing too. Like to me, whenever I think of LSU, I think of like Jamal Adams with the double wristbands. Like you always think of stuff like that in this era, at least obviously there's guys well before that of how you look at the uniform. So with this one, the Derwin James pick is awesome too. Cause I was reading the article on NFL.com. I know Bucky Brooks tweeted out. I'm not sure if he wrote it, but how, when Derwin got there into the training facility, he just like Took the, he had someone hand him like the 110 pound dumbbells and was doing military presses with them oh as a freshman. God. And before he did it, the trainer was like, Man, like you're gonna fuck yourself up. And he was like, No, no, I'm and like just steady repping what like the guy is a freak show. Another guy that's a freak show. If you're listening to this right now, go on Twitter and type in Leon Jacobs and look at the picture of him at Exos. He looks like a superhero. It's unbelievable. So Leon Jacobs from Wisconsin absolutely jacked going to come into the combine and his dude, his delts, triceps, biceps are just popping out of this guy. So a little of an under the radar one, but this guy's ready to walk the walk uh, at the combine. I love it. Went deep on that one. All right. Yeah. So you're the, you're the weightlifter of this duo. So now let's talk about something that I can actually relate to the best beer belly. <laughs> this one's so at the fun. combine. <laughs> and we I did close- more research on this one last night than <laughs> any of these. See, these are my kindred spirits. We just identify each other. Like, you know, you get that head nod. It's like a Jeep wave that we all give each other. So I went with Will Hernandez, 6'2", 350. And it's I know he's close. Like, yeah. He's gro- like he's grown man strong as well. Like he's your know, thick, thick legs, big arms, but he's got the gut on him. You know, he's throwing some back. When you go to UTEP, that's El Paso. You're drinking tequila and like Tecati. There's nothing else to do there. So Will Hernandez, he, he's got it going, man. So I, I went with, of course, you go with, you got to go with the lineman. I went with Celese Udafe. Celese Udafe. I, that one's a little shout out to Steven Nelson. I've been working on my pronunciation <laughs> of names on the West Coast. So listen, just Google them. I found a really good beer belly picture. Uh, that's my guy right there. And hopefully he didn't train too hard because if he comes in without that beer belly, I'm going to be really upset. Right. He's going to come at washboard. And he's just, yeah, I'm like, damn, man, you're making me look bad out here. You train too hard. The best way to do it, you need a you need a picture of them like mid block, you know, where like their legs yes. are kind of spread a little bit, and they're like the, the, they're crouched over, and that belly's rocking low. I, I like also when they're just standing like kind of on the field, like during practice, just laid back with just the belly oh, yeah. out of the practice jersey. That's super short. This one is something that you and I can finally both relate to. Best tattoos. There we go, man. <laughs> Tyler Conklin from Central Michigan was down at the Senior Bowl. He's got the double sleeves. He's got one full sleeve. He's got one about three-quarter half sleeve. Some wicked tattoos. I'm sure as these guys get their rookie contracts, they will get a lot more, but he's already got it coming into the league. Yeah, he he definitely has it, and he, he would have been my pick just because I'm a, I'm a big fan of the sleeve look as long as it's not you know like super douchey and his look good. So I went with an understated one, but uh, my favorite tattoos in the draft, Minka Fitzpatrick. His mom didn't want him to get tattoos, but he wanted to get some. So what he got was in Hebrew script, he got the names of each of his siblings on his fingers, like on the insides of his fingers. 
that's pretty so sweet. it it looks pretty cool and it's also like you know i have i have three brothers so it's like oh that's actually pretty fucking cool so not he's not all tatted out you know and he doesn't have the aj mccarran chest tattoo i was kind of looking for something tattoo. like that but I, you know, I went with the guy who's maybe got something a little understated, but was pretty cool. And our our boy Darius Geis is pretty inked up as well. So this was the show that during this segment, I hope you just had Google or Twitter open and you were just typing these guys in as we did each superlative because they match up so well. Yeah, Darius does. I, I I just typed his name in. You guys probably hear me type and was like, ooh, he he's got the sleeves rocking too. So Darius is looking fresh, and we're gonna have him on the show in just a couple weeks. All right, everybody, up next, we got Josh Jackson, the corner from Iowa. We are super excited to get a chance to talk to Josh, one of my favorite players, one of Connor's favorite players, and a guy who burst on the scene with a great 2017 season. All right, Josh, the first question I have to ask you, man, what happened in that Ohio State game? Were they tipping you with the plays or something? Did you, like, were you in the huddle knowing where they were going to throw because you dominated the bucket? You had three picks in that game, probably the prettiest pick of the year as well uh, with that that one-hander. What's your secret, man? Was that just film study? Man, yeah, just a lot of, you know, preparation. And, you know, really throughout the week, we really worked hard and just focused on, you know, learning the formations and just trying to, you know, be exact in everything we did. And, you know, it just paid off. Yeah, you've had a bit of a, a wild career, Josh, at Iowa. You know, obviously you had some time in the spring in 2015 at wide receiver and obviously starting starting this year and eight interceptions, two touchdowns, 18 passes defended. Was there anything that changed for you in your day-to-day to have this kind of breakout year? I mean, it's really just getting in and staying persistent, trying to stay focused, and whenever your time came, just making the most out of the opportunity. And, you know, I, I, I don't think my, my work ethic changed. I think I just continue to keep working hard and just – you know, stay focused. And when I got the opportunity, I just try to play to the best of my ability. Off that, Josh, how much of it is a guy like Desmond King just moving on to the NFL that kind of opens a door for you to step up and be that number one guy in the secondary? Did you look at it that way or did that, you know, kind of put pressure on you to, okay, well, Des is gone and he was the dude last year. So now I got to step up and, and take over here. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I don't think it put pressure on me. Um, I think after his junior year, it's where I kind of really – you know, had to start growing up and getting ready to take the position because um, I thought he would leave after his junior year, but he stayed another year. So it was just, a, you know, another year just to you know, learn from him and just see the way he prepared. And that's kind of what I did. I just took mental notes and, you know, just worked behind him. And, you know, when it was my time, I just um, um, performed the best. All right, so you're training right now, obviously getting ready for the combine and the pre-draft training. What's a normal day looking like right now for Josh Jackson compared to, you know, obviously school takes up a lot of time, but now you're all all football, all training. What what's a normal day like? Um, you know, it's not too bad. Um, you know, I wake up at seven o'clock, I come in and exos and I work out from about um eight o'clock till eleven forty five and then I have a little break and then we start back at one thirty and I'm done. I'm out the door by three. Yeah, and, and this grind is is like tough on guys um, as as you get ready for it. Uh, who are some of the other guys that you're training with that you you know that have like caught your eye or that you find yourself competing with? Um, really, all the dudes really. So every time we're in drills, um, I'm trying to win them all. They're trying to win them all, but you know I'm taking a build every time. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, but I mean it's it, it, it's a great group of guys. We got Deshaun Elliott, or Anthony uh, Tejada from TCU. Uh, Channing Sullivan from Georgia, Georgia State. So we got we got a bunch of good guys out here, and uh, you know we're just having fun and competing. So everyone's you know putting you right at the top of this corner class. It's you, Denzel Ward, obviously guys like Mike Hughes and Isaiah Oliver, and you know you really came on the scene this year to put yourself at the top of that. How what makes you different from the top corners in this draft, though? Yeah, I think when I step on the field, you know, I'm going to make a play. I know every time I come on the field, I'm going to make a play to throw the ball my way. I know I'm going to, you know, have a, um, you know, just an opinion on what they do pretty much. And, you know, I'm I'm here to make plays and just change the outcome of the game. So I, one thing that is coming up on your calendar, I'm sure you're, you're getting ready for it. You know, athletically, you're out there training. But are you ready for the crazy mental side of the combine? Like, are you ready for some of these questions these dudes are going to ask you to try to like, you know, do you, are you a cat or a dog? If you had to, you know, if you were in a room with, with somebody you had to kill, what weapon would you use? Like I've heard the, the wildest questions being asked. Is that something that they get you guys ready for? Just the, you're going to get asked the most bizarre shit ever. So yeah, shit. I don't know. I guess, I guess you're just going to have to, you know, have a creative side to, to answer all these questions, but 
you know, I'm, I, I think I'm kind of ready. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Was there anyone that you watched in the NFL growing up that influenced your play style? Um, growing up, I really love Ed Reed. Um, you know, just he was a ball hawk. He always was around the ball. He always had interceptions. He's always taking it back to the house. So that was really a guy that me and my brother growing up really loved. And whenever him and Ray Lewis played for the Rangers, that's a good yeah, guy that, to emulate. It's <laughs> definitely a great one. Yeah. So Josh, this year we uh, we uh, a couple of my assistants and I we came up to Iowa City. Uh, to to watch you guys actually in the opener against Wyoming uh, when y'all shut down our our boy Josh Allen, and I mean this is a football podcast, but it's also we you know we we get off on little tangents sometimes, and I have to ask man, what do you guys do in Iowa City on a Friday night? Because there was nothing going on. Like we rolled into town and it was it's like nothing. So did we just miss the scene, or is there really nothing fun to do <laughs> in Iowa City on a Friday? You should have came. The Ohio State week, that probably would change the whole That's true. <laughs> People probably weren't turning out for Wyoming. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know, man. I, I guess, you know, it's the first game of the season. It's not really, you know, a big game. I guess people really didn't know they had a you know, top-ranked ranking quarterback coming in. So, I don't know. I guess they really didn't expect too much, and people still kind of get into the groove of things. So, you know, it probably wasn't really much happening. But, you know, after – you know, once we got in the conference, a lot of things pick up a lot. So it's a lot of little bars that people go to. And, you know, they're actually pretty fun. So as I said earlier, you did spend a brief period in 2015 as a wide receiver. It's no secret that you catch everything, and it's worked out yeah. really well for you. What made you go back to the defensive side of the ball? Um, Just because, you know, you're able to show your athletic ability. You're able to, you know, it's kind of like a, like a car salesman. You're able to, you know, reap your own benefits and just go out there and produce and make your own place. So that's kind of what I like about it. You're able to be versatile. You're able to show your own personality and just go out there and have fun. So that's, that's the main thing for me. I really like the defensive back position. It's just, you know, the preparation. You get to go against the best receivers and lock them down. So that, that's what I really love, just the, compa- the uh, competitive edge, you know, that um, defensive backs have to bring and the confidence that they have to bring each and every week. Yeah, as far as that goes, man, looking for, you know, you're going to be in the league soon uh, and you're going against all these great quarterbacks. Have you made your list yet of like who you, who's your goal to pick off, you know, and is it Brady or Rogers or Cam Newton? Like who, who's up there where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I've made it when I've picked this dude off. Shit, all of them, really. (laughs) I want to be able to to play against everybody and be able to, you know, pick off everybody. That's the goal. Yeah, well, I hope my New York Jets take Josh and he picks off Tom Brady. That would be uh, that would make that would make all of us happy. But one thing, one thing we do with every guest on the show is to close it out. We run them through five questions called the Gauntlet, and the first question okay. is: If you do eat anything pregame, what's your go-to pregame meal? I love um, spaghetti and honey mustard and barbecue sauce. On Man, top, we've gotten spaghetti a, oh. a couple times now. I like uh, honey mustard and barbecues. It's a good mix. Man, so good. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, someone, I think Ronald Jones said Chick-fil-A. We were like, ooh. I don't know how you <laughs> so greasy. For a game. But all right. Okay. All right. Question number two. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, I kind of like the, kind of like Magneto's powers from uh, X-Men. I don't know why. That's, a, that's the first time we got in that one. All right. Yeah. Number, number three. Uh, what's one game that none of your friends can beat you at, whether it's Madden or FIFA or even, you know, another sport? Um, well, what I'm currently haven't taken any losses in is ping pong. I'm probably one of the best. Damn, we got to get you in Bleacher Report. We got yeah. a ping pong table and everyone I mean, plays. Hand-eye coordination is great for a corner, too, so you got to go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could have one person there with you, who would it be? I'm going to have to bring my big brother. Ooh, there that's, you go. That's a nice answer. Right. We get Rihanna a lot. People are like, all right, I'm going to die oh, anyway. Man. I'll take Rihanna. And then some people are like, I got to find someone to survive with. So the big brother's yeah, a good choice, man. Yeah, that's just too much distraction. Yeah. might be dead the next <laughs> day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Number five, the last one. Um, if you had an online dating profile, what would be your description in your bio? Mm. I guess, you know, gifted and handsome. Uh, I, I like that. That's pretty good. That should be your motto yeah. at the in the NFL. Just that's <laughs> all you need. Young, gifted, and handsome. I might steal that. 
I'm gonna I know, steal like, that. I'll credit Josh, him, but I'm stealing it. my app. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Although I'm not that young anymore, so I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll fly for me. Oh, All right, Josh. Man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man, for your time. Uh, we're rooting for you. Um, everybody should know we have you. We have you ranked pretty high. You're up there in the, I think, in the the top 15 is where we both have That's you. That's right. right. Now. So it's uh, you're a talented Ooh. player. So we uh, we appreciate your time, man, and good luck. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you next year when you're when we know where you're playing. Yes, sir, man. Good talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, good luck, man. You, man. All right. Thanks again to Josh Jackson for hanging out with us. We had a lot of fun with him. It was great to actually get like some candid answers and, and, and finally getting a prospect who would just like chill out and, and have fun with it. Sometimes these guys have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And, and he had a lot of fun with it. He's great, dude. Let's jump into his yeah, great dude. Great player. Um, we're, we're all definitely rooting for him. Let's jump into some draft on draft questions. This is where you guys can get involved every week. You can submit these uh, through Twitter. Just hashtag it draft on draft. You can leave them in your iTunes review. You can leave them. Uh, you can message us on Instagram. There are so many ways that you can get involved with it. So we've got a, quite a few this week. Our buddy Alex Hayes at Flow Grown Sports wants to know what three players in recent years helped their draft stock by staying an extra year. Ooh, uh, one that, that jumps out to me is Bradley Chubb. That's a great one. And when we talked, to, we talked about this on the Friday show. He was, I had a late first, early two on him this summer. And that was in line with what I'd heard from teams. You know, good player, not a great player. Now he's probably going to be a top five pick, maybe a top two pick. Uh, he made himself a ton of money this year. So he's absolutely someone that helped himself quite a bit. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one to go through. I think for me, Quentin Nelson, when he stayed, yes. he, I follow Notre Dame very closely. I have family members that root for Notre Dame. Um, I, when he stayed, I was like, man, I, he's NFL ready. Like, get get out there now. And he would have went because he's a guard, maybe late first, mid first at at most last year. And now I feel like yep. he, as a guard, he's a top twelve lock, an absolute lock. So. Quentin Nelson, that it ended up being a great choice to stay when you look at it. And then you look on the I always like looking on the flip side of things. Harold Landry was beat up this year. If he came out last year, you know, the hype might have might have been a little higher on him. Uh yeah. Royce Freeman's a guy that just felt like he was at Oregon forever when he didn't really have to be. So it's such a a coin flip, I would say. Even Luke Falk. I got one more yeah, for you. Go though. ahead. That I can't believe neither of us thought of first. Baker Mayfield. Oh my God! Wow, that's like he would he would have been a day three pick last year. Yeah, fourth, and he's going to go round. top fifteen now. Wow, that's yeah. anyone Heisman so, Trophy. <laughs> yeah, that's so there are one. guys. It's funny because everybody's like, "Oh, Matt Barkley shouldn't have stayed." You know, it cost him. That's such a myth. I don't believe for a second he was going to be a first round pick after that year. So good players get drafted. Only that's, injury. That's the way it's I the only thing it. that hurts you. Yep. All right, Team Lamar Jackson at <laughs> Lamar Jackson surprisingly has a question about Lamar Jackson. What team do you feel Lamar Jackson has to get drafted to for him to reach his full potential? I went on a Twitter rant about this last week and, and did some radio about it. I, th I think I even worked it into my article last week. I, I felt like an Andy Reid type system is what's best for him. And so Andy has Mahomes. He doesn't need him. Doug Peterson has Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, who's apparently worth two first and two second round picks. So he doesn't need him. I look at someone like Pat Shermer um, would, would be a fit. The Giants probably aren't going to draft a, a quarterback early. At least that's the way it looks. So maybe John D. Philippe in Minnesota. The Vikings currently, you know, Teddy's maybe a free agent. We're waiting for that to get figured out by the, the NFL. Case Keenum is a free agent. Sam Bradford's a free agent. So I think Lamar Jackson could be a very good fit in Minnesota. I also like that. They plan a dome like and, and some of these like warm weather kids, you know, it, it gets a little cold in Louisville, but it doesn't get Minnesota cold. Trust me, I was just up there. So the fact that he could go plan a dome, you're, you're, you're not playing on other than when you go to Chicago and, and Green Bay, you're not playing on messed up turf all the time. He, he's got that, you know, fast, smooth running surface. I think that'd be a pretty good spot for him all around. Yeah, I think uh, one that would really be good would be Jacksonville. And I know everyone thinks of that because, OK, they need to get an upgrade over Blake Bortles. But I was actually reading a really interesting chapter in one of Chris Brown's books, The Art of Smart Football, back in 2012 when Doug Marone was the coach of Syracuse and now is obviously the coach of Jacksonville. Their offense was just a mess all summer. They were trying to run pro-style concepts in college, and it just wasn't working. And about two weeks before the season started, they started installing package plays, RPOs, obviously run-pass options. And 
it completely turned Ryan Nassib and the Syracuse program around that year. I believe they finished eight and three, won a bowl game. It changed the offense. It was one of the best Syracuse offenses of all time. And I think when you look at Lamar Jackson, that's what he's going to need to run to reach his full potential at the next level. And on the flip side of it, going to Jacksonville, he'd be going to a great team that can run the shit out of the football with Leonard Fournette and a good offensive oh my line. God. So I think if you're talking about, hey, if this guy's going to go in the first round, I, I think that would be a really interesting fit from the coaching scheme and talent standpoint. Yeah, uh, That's a good one. I, I know a lot of people connect that dot as well. So that's a good one. Okay, next question from... See, I haven't been hanging out with Nelson, and I suck at names. New Jersey uh, Joe, Italian Joe Sacchino. <laughs> I hope go. I got that Joe, right, or else I look like an asshole. So, but Joe Sacchino. Okay, ex, extra from the Sopranos. What are some of the worst combine performances that you remember? Ooh, Tease Tabor. I read this question. <laughs> Tease Tabor is a good one. Yeah. Chris Jones, does that one count? Yeah. Even though it didn't really hurt him, just the uh, you know the fallout and then the trip. I thought about this last night when I read this question. And I honestly have blocked them out, I think. Or maybe it just all has started to run together in my brain. But, you know, I don't remember one where it was like, God, that that guy just sucked, you know. And, like, last year, Tease Tabor is probably the best one of someone who just, you know, really underperformed up to what our expectations were. But there there wasn't one. You know, I know Derwin, uh, or Dalvin Cook, a lot of people thought that his maybe um, combine wasn't that great. But I, he, it wasn't awful i mean he he was a little underwhelming like in the shuttle and the three cone and stuff um the vert i think was pretty low i'm going off memory so no you're right um, someone could fact check me but it, it wasn't like oh this dude i mean he was i think he ran a four four nine which wasn't bad but everything else is kind of disappointing but i don't i also just don't put a ton of stock into the combine i i have this really cynical view of it now that it's televised that it's like they try to pretend like it's more important than it is because it's televised when it wasn't on TV. And, and I know that I benefit from it being on TV, just like anyone else in this industry. But I think people put just way too much emphasis on it these days. No doubt. I think one of our coolest interviews is when you talk to Deion Sanders about that. And you're like, listen, the combine wasn't on TV back then. Are all these random stories about you true? Can you imagine what the, the coverage that would get in this era? Like, it's insane. Like, oh, yeah. Ruben Foster getting kicked out of the combine last year was a very bad look. I wouldn't call it a bad performance. It's just that those are the, that's not why you, you don't want your name in the headlines for that. Yeah. So that's kind of a good example. So many, so many red flags with Ruben that we all just kind of were like, ah, oh, but he's good. He's really good. <laughs> this next one from <sighs> Roman, turned around. Roman Tomasoff uh, at our Tomasoff 34, create your perfect quarterback from all the traits in this year's class. Example, Allen's arm, Rosen's accuracy, et cetera, et cetera. I think you just did it. I mean, yeah, I want Josh he, Allen's arm. He's got a good start. So Rosen's accuracy. See, I I kind of want to take. Yeah, I'll go with Rosen's accuracy. I think him and Baker are close, but I think Rosen has some better touch on the deep stuff. Yeah, I would want Lamar Jackson's feet. Yep. And I would want Sam Darnold's toughness. Whose brain? Oh shit! Yeah. Tough one. That's the one that that's the one that we got to figure out about two weeks. But I would want Baker's poise. Yeah. And like swag. Baker's the chip on his shoulder. That's actually a really good quarterback. <laughs> if you yeah, well, you that. used to you used to do the series building the perfect, you know, quarterback yeah. at the NFL level. So this was a perfect question for you. That would be fun. That maybe, guy, I don't even know. I was trying to think like, who would this even be? There's no one like that. Maybe we should uh, we should do that as our spotlight video this week. Ooh, yeah, that's that's fun. All right. I like that a lot since we needed an idea for it. Yeah. So. Thank you, Roman. Badass. <laughs> Thanks, Roman. All right. Uh, Sam Robinson at S Robinson Media. How difficult do you find it to analyze grade and rank kickers and punters? People think I joke about this shit when I say that it's the last thing I do. And I'm not going to name the person because they might not want me to. When it gets time to do it, when I have to actually file scouting reports on these guys, there's a there's a former NFL kicker that I talk to and just say, all right, man. Walk me through this stuff. And that's how I do it. And I don't try to hide it. I'm very, very transparent about I know nothing about kicking and punting. And I feel like in this industry, when you don't know about something, your job is to find someone who does and someone that you trust. And that's how I do it. Because I and I don't even think you can just look at stats because you would really have to maybe pro football focus does it. You'd have to get deep in the weeds of the context of, okay, how many kicks did you make? over 50 yards, how many, you know, attempts did you take that were just completely out of your range? 
that maybe dropped your kicking percentage. There's a lot to mechanics. Um, I know with like Roberto Aguayo, uh, people were saying that his mechanics just got bad. Like once he got in the NFL, he he kind of got it in his head that he wasn't making these kicks and he changed his mechanics. And that's why he started sucking. That's stuff that I'm never going to be able to figure out on my own. Yeah, it is really interesting. And it makes me kind of go back to a funny story when Roberto Aguayo got picked when the Bucks traded up in the second round for him. And uh, I think you graded it as an F or an F minus. And then Sims yes. graded it as a K for kicker because he says, I don't give grades for drafting kickers. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he said, I give it a K. That was the best. And he was like, he's looking at me like when we're not on camera and he was like, no one fucking pays me to evaluate kickers. Yep. Like, no one, <laughs> so no one pays me to do it either, man. Like, I don't know what to yeah, say. You're just like F minus. Uh, you don't trade up for a kicker in the second round. He was like K for kicker. I'm not doing this. Oh, that was, a lot it was of great. All right. Next one from Perry at Anthony Perry, nine two five. Any clarity on how desperate the bills are for a quarterback. Doesn't seem like there's a clear path to what they're going to do. Obviously something we touched in touched on uh, earlier in the show Desperate is an interesting word. I think the Bills feel that they have the ammo this year and the time is right with their regime being new, staff being one year in. So I don't know if desperate's the word. I just think they see an opening at either number two or number three and kind of want to capitalize on the opportunity if it fits. I completely agree with you. Uh, I, everything that they've done seems to point to trying to load up to move up. I think that's why, like we said, you know, people like Ben Albright and, and some others are starting to connect those dots of, okay, they, they need a quarterback. They're obviously not fans of Tyrod Taylor long-term. They have all these picks. It makes sense that now's the time that they would move up. So um, we'll see what happens, but there's no clarity because it's before the combine. And that's when a lot of the clarity that the picture starts to come together with free agency and grades on the prospects. So it just like give us two more weeks and we'll be able to provide some clarity for you. All right. Next one from our good buddy, Jared Brown at Jared underscore Brown compare, compare some prospects from this class to beers. This is oh. always a fun one. We did this last year, I believe too, when the podcast just started. Yeah. It's almost one we need to prepare for a little more, but off the top of my head, my favorite beer is Boulevard Wheat. It's a, a Kansas City brewery. So that's Saquon Barkley because he's my top player in the draft. So that's kind of like I an like easy that. one. Uh, my favorite is Einstock from Iceland. And Quentin Nelson uh, is my go. number one player. So Would Baker Quentin Mayfield be delirium? The, gets the Einstein. Yes, because like you get so really out of control. Good, when really good, that. but out of control. A little crazy. Oh, No doubt about that. I'm trying to think. I'm looking down the list and trying to think of some good ones. Yeah. Man. You could even say the same for Josh Rosen. Who's the core's light of this year's draft? Is it Will Hernandez or Billy? Oh, Price? just old solid. Yeah, and Coors yes. Light's like one of my favorite beers too. It's like my I know go-to. you love my a good end of the night. You love a Coors. I know light. it's going to get me home. That might be Minka Fitzpatrick. Just super solid. Know exactly what you're getting. Versatile. Versatile. Yes. Can so really it, be used in any so occasion. For me, like Orlando Brown would be like Guinness. Because I just find it incredibly overrated. And I know some people love it, Ooh. but I don't understand why they do. And I feel that way about Orlando Brown. Here's my little secret, though, with Guinness. Uh, Guinness is often not only, obviously, completely different in America, but served wrong. A lot of places don't know how to pour it here. So next time you're in New York, we'll we'll give you a real Guinness and we'll see if that changes your And here's the deal. Probably I've, not. I've only had Guinness in Canada. It was at a little Irish pub in Canada. Okay. Go figure. So... Yeah, I, I don't think Guinness is the greatest thing in the world, but I definitely there is definitely a time and a place. So we'll have to revisit that one because that's that's a good question with a lot of different answers. Can we make um, Vita Vea like like I was gonna say Natty Light, but that's Mellow's thing. <laughs> that's Puna so Ford, like Genesee. Yeah, a Puna. <laughs> well, Puna Ford's got to be Bud Light because they're like the same person. Yeah, uh, it's too good. All right. That's a great question. All right, uh, let's do, we got, what, two more. Okay, Connor Leigh, he wants to know, if Rosen goes to the Giants and Baker goes to the Jets, how does the New York media handle it, and which quarterback oh, handles God. it better? Oh, man. Well, the first well, thing that we, Manish Mehta would go up to Baker Mayfield and say, so everyone compares you to Johnny Manziel, why are you different? Just to piss Baker off, because that's the way to get him riled up right now is to compare him to Johnny he is Manziel. He's getting tired of that, yeah. And that would be the first thing. First thing Manish does, just to, to get a great quote out of it. I don't, I think Rosen, here's, I, I, I said this on radio yesterday. We have not heard from Josh Rosen since the season ended. You can't, wow. you can't open Twitter for a couple of days without Baker saying something. 
And I know he'll like go back and delete it after the fact. I actually told someone who is connected to Baker. I was like, Hey, can like, just tell him to delete Twitter until after the draft. He yep. just get it, get him off there. And then at the Texas OU game, like he had this rant about Texas didn't recruit me and he hates Texas. And like, I get it. Like, it's cool. You hate Texas. You're at OU, but get out of the spotlight, man. Like we have Josh Allen hasn't said a word. Lamar Jackson hasn't said a word. Sam Darnold hasn't said a word. Josh Rosen hasn't said a word. There's something to that. I I really enjoyed that rant because you know how much me and you both love Baker Mayfield, but like, we this is a really good example of it. Me and you were down at Exos to see Leonard Fournette um, about a little over a year ago, and one of the trainers there said, "I tell my guys delete Twitter or don't follow anyone that is involved in the draft and just stay away from all that stuff while yeah. you're getting ready for it because it will do nothing to help you. It's as simple as that." And I think Lamar Jackson had a really good tweet. The one of the few times he's tweeted this entire offseason, he said because he's probably getting tired of being asked. He said, just be something like just because you don't see me posting videos doesn't mean I'm not working. And I think that, yeah, it's just good to stay out of the spotlight because you have your whole career to do that. So it's interesting. I hate to be such like a sour grape here, but I I do have a different respect for the guys that are like, my time's going to come, but right now I'm I'm all business. And I'm not saying Baker's not working hard because we know he is, but it's also when you're a guy who there are questions about maturity and, and being able to control your emotions and your and and like what he tweeted at Bucky Brooks wasn't that bad, you know, basically saying like, hey, this is a well-written piece. But the one thing you didn't account for in my game is uh, being a winner. Baker doesn't need to be reading Bucky Brooks scouting reports. <laughs> like, Don't worry about yeah. that stuff. I would also say this in response to his rant against Texas, Texas Tech and Oklahoma didn't recruit you either, man. So. You walked on, so maybe don't get too hot-headed about, I'm from Austin and they didn't recruit me. Ooh, the Longhorn fans. No one recruited you. I like this. So if you're going to screenshot my tweets, like if we're going to have a little playful back and forth, I got to come at you for for, getting on my Longhorns. I I do love you, though, Baker. To get back to Connor Leahy's question, (laughs) yeah, hopefully he comes on so we could ask him directly about it. If the Giants take Rosen and the Jets take Baker, here's what happens. I've been here long enough where I know. The New York Post and New York Daily News have front and back cover split shot of Rosen walking out with his Giants hat, Baker walking out with his Jets hat, even though he's not attending the draft, he said. Uh, and it would just, man, it would be the talk of town forever. It would dominate because, listen, the Yankees are going to be great this year, so the Yankees are going to take headlines. But the bottom line is when the Jets and Giants have quarterbacks, it, it will dominate this town. It'd and be it amazing. Would be, I hope that happens because it would be a lot of fun. All right, last one from Tyler Browning. Which player would y'all have liked to... I can't read. Which player would y'all have liked to see finish their career that was cut too short? Oh, man. Marcus Lattimore? Marcus Lattimore is a great one. Like, football-related, that is a very good one. I I would have really liked to have seen a healthy Steve Young. I know he had, like, a great second half of his career, but he got really beat up there at the end. And in today's league, he probably, you know, wouldn't still be playing... Uh, my go-to answer for this is always King Griffey Jr. Though, like, that's the one guy that I, I just wish we could have seen what he would have been had he been able to stay healthy. I love that answer. I think I've definitely, I've definitely told people that. So what, Griffey came to the Bleacher Report office about a year ago, and like people are in and out all the time, and me and Matt on the road see people all the time, and. When you work in media, you eventually just like being starstruck isn't a thing anymore. Even if you grow up as a kid, like loving sports and athletes and stuff. The only time in my professional career, like I've shaken someone's hand and been like, holy shit, was when I met Ken Griffey Jr. Because he changed baseball in a way that like was just dramatically different than anything else. And if he could have stayed healthy. He arguably, he could have been the greatest home run hitter of all time. Yeah. In my eyes, he, he still is, at least of that era. Yeah. Could have been maybe the greatest he did it. baseball player of all time. I mean, he was yeah, good athlete. in the field as well. So yeah. that's a fun one, man. That really is. All right. That's our show for this week. Had a lot of fun. We will be doing a ton of combine prep. Uh, we'll be doing it on the Friday morning show. And then next week, 
I head to the combine. Connor and Miller are going to join me next weekend. We're going to have a ton of fun in Indianapolis. If you don't, we're going to do a lot of shows from Indy. So if you don't want to miss anything, the best advice I can give you, if you're on an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts, download this podcast. And like I said before, if you leave a five-star review, we will be best friends. Guaranteed. You you can replace Connor and Mello and Dan as my best friend if you do that. Uh, also, if you're on Android, now you can get us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean. They have like a million apps where you can get a podcast. We're on those. Also, the BR app is another great way to get the podcast, get little alerts every time we we post a new podcast. So there's going to be a ton of stuff coming out hot and heavy uh, over the next few weeks as we really get into draft season. So thanks again to Josh Jackson. Thanks, Connor. And we'll talk to you guys next week.